welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 17th chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated this morning. And we take a look on this... uh, final Sunday, the season of Advent before Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the season of Lent. We, we consider for a few moments together the transfiguration. Now, none of you said yesterday, hey, it's transfiguration day tomorrow. We ought to go to church. It's far more likely you got here, looked at the bulletin and went, oh, it's transfiguration Sunday. Uh, more on that in a minute. But uh, Uh, Let's begin with that first odd phrase, after six days. And after six days, um, you really have to know what precedes this text in order to um, gain a fuller understanding of it. What happened during those six days? Nothing happened on the seventh day. That would have been the Sabbath, only rest. But in the six days preceding was Peter's confession. Who do men say, I am son of man, as you are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Okay. Then after Jesus speaks this and has this exchange, the next thing, he predicts his suffering, his death and rising. And then he admonishes the disciples, if you want to truly be my disciples, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. So it was after those events of the six days preceding, uh, 
comes the occasion of the transfiguration. Now, among Lutherans and other denominations, Transfiguration Sunday is, in reality, as I suggest, kind of marginally observed. For Lutherans, Transfiguration Sunday has been placed on this last Sunday before Lent, but we do well to be mindful that in other denominations, they not only celebrate the Transfiguration, shall we say, more robustly, but at different times of the calendar year than we do. For Orthodox traditions, uh, the Transfiguration is of huge significance. The Transfiguration in the Orthodox churches of the East rivaling Christmas and Easter in their, uh, in their importance. Thematically, some denominations link the transfiguration to the resurrection, uh, sort of an anticipatory way. Other traditions place Jesus in the presence of Moses and Elijah. As doing so, they see that as symbolic fulfillment of the law and the prophets by he who is greater than either. And still others view the transfiguration as something of a portal uh, between heaven and earth there on the mountaintop. The transfiguration is numbered among the five important events in the life of Christ. Uh, it is there along with his baptism, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, the transfiguration. The Bible itself is actually silent as to the identity, to the place where this took place, the uh, place to which Jesus took, the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, uh, the intimates of the Lord, uh, always seem to be present when something uh, large is going to happen. Um, and so that we don't know the venue, uh, and so predictably, perhaps over many centuries, many have offered opinions as to where the transfiguration took place, what mountain what mountain. And so it is no matter how one understands the events described by Matthew, no matter when the transfiguration is observed in the calendar year, no matter where the actual scene played out, the transfiguration describes something that was deeply moving uh, to those who experienced it such that you'll notice the second lesson today, Peter actually writes about it. Uh, as being a witness to it. Jesus' transfiguration, though, moved the disciples most deeply, I'm going to suggest, after the resurrection. For clearly, at the time, neither Peter, James, nor John really understood the meaning of what Jesus was sharing with them, what they were experiencing. Thus, Peter's kind of feckless efforts to, I'll build a tent, I'll do something. Uh, and so they really struggled. In fact, the Scripture says that the disciples were uh, terrified by what was happening to them. The voice being overshadowed, Jesus' change in his appearance, these things confused, and that confusion was compounded later when on the way down from that mountaintop, Jesus says, now, keep what you've just seen and experienced to yourself until, again, as happened during those six days before, the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Focusing upon Moses and Elijah, the three failed to fully appreciate he who was numbered among them, who was with them. And then, as they, as they diminished, he remained. Uh, 
Understanding would come retrospectively, I think, for the church. Okay? Understanding would come retrospectively. For Christians who observe the transfiguration before this beginning of Lent, uh, there perhaps is an element of, of, of encouragement to be found in it to help sustain the church throughout its coming penitential season um, and throughout Holy Week. Transfiguration reminding the church that Easter comes, but our Easter only comes by way of the cross, by way of the cross. No cross, no Easter. And so with that sort of preliminary preamble stuff, a question, let me ask you a question as I look, look out upon you this morning, and it's a question that's aimed specifically at adults, and I think some children are out in Sunday school, but a question aimed at adults, and maybe, and most particularly, the question uh, is aimed at those adults here among us who are and find yourselves, as I do, looking at life retrospectively retrospectively and as an offering to of insight maybe uh, to those for whom life is still cascading down upon you uh, full speed seemingly overwhelming at times and the question is this then for us how many life events only divulge their truest meaning and greatest significance after, sometimes long after, the event itself took place. How often is something seen? How often have you seen something? How often have you experienced something? How often have you known something only quickly and maybe too quickly to let that slip past the present moment? and out of mind because, well, your life was just too busy. Life was still coming at you full speed. You deal with this and you put it aside because you know the next is there to be deal, dealt with. I think this in part the appeal to we who are old in watching our children and our grandchildren experiencing their life in the moment. I think elders can sometimes see in children what they failed to see or at least appreciate in the moment, in now long past moments, when those moments and events actually took place, when elders had youngsters of their own, when what at the time seemed, for example, oh boy, this is a disaster, and then retrospectively we look back upon it and realize it was not disaster. Instead, it proved to be a minor speed bump in our lives. Conversely, when something should have been celebrated but was taken simply in stride, due course, without sufficient appreciation, of that which we were experiencing. Perhaps even when the unplanned ultimately turned out to be a great joy. Sometimes these things yield themselves only retrospectively to us. Retrospectively. Why? 
maybe because life was coming a bit too fast. It was happening just a bit too fast. Too many distractions. And so I suggest that maybe reflective appreciation is one of the great facets of the gem we call wisdom. Perhaps this was what Peter, James, and John were experiencing on that mountaintop as everything was coming at them just too fast. The six days before, Peter had offered those words, you are the Christ, son of the living God, you're the Messiah. But in response, Jesus then says, yes, and I'm going to die for it. And if you want to be my disciple, you must be willing to take up your own cross. And then Jesus takes the three up, the mountain and Moses and Elijah and the voice, and it was coming too fast to be processed, to be understood, even absorbed. It was coming frighteningly fast at this point. Jesus, and they'd never seen him before, the Son of Man, Moses, Elijah, and then the voice, wrapped and shrouded in clouds and mist, this is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Fear and love all bound up together, intended for Peter, James, and John, but too overwhelming for them in that moment. For as we know, it would only be later, much later, that the fullness and the significance, the consequence of the transfiguration would fall upon the disciples and therefore come to the church. I think that is why there is so much variety and variation in how the church observes or fails to observe the transfiguration. For in life there are analogs to many events in the Bible, such as birth and death and joyful and sorrowful moments, even crucifixion. But the transfiguration stands alone. There are no comparisons. And so it is benignly overlooked, I think, sometimes by those who have to understand everything, thinking it must be understood. Lena and I were talking about that as she was preparing to go in and talk to the children, and we agreed that it's perhaps one of those mysteries that you cannot understand, but merely are confronted with. The inner circle of the disciples experienced, but in the moment, could not comprehend the transfiguration. They heard, but were not yet able to listen. Perhaps this was why Jesus told them not to speak of what they saw, for only in the context of time, only retrospectively, only in the context of things yet to come, would his transfiguration Indeed, his crucifixion, indeed the resurrection, come to make sense. Young and old alike, we experience this life together, but only as life plays itself out does the fullest weight of so many things reach their deepest meanings. I suspect it's always been so whether on a mountaintop or in the here and now of each generation, 
it has or will prove so for each of us. And therefore we are called, like we were called during that first penitential season of the church year Advent, to watch, be prepared, that we might rejoice and behold, linking these times together. Listen, busy parents. Pay attention, occupied adults, pensive leaders. For from the perspective of one who now must view life retrospectively, I remind you, we shall not pass this way again. And so do not miss those mountaintop experiences which life presents to you that you be able to share them when in the course and the fullness of time others take our place and they pass along what we ourselves have received from those who receive them handed down from the very experience of the apostles themselves. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.